Do you have our bags, John? I'm packed and I got our bags. Okay. So we've packed. Also, apart from us packing, you have our bags because apparently those are two separate things. We didn't pack our bags. You packed and also you just have a couple of grocery bags. What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> He's got nothing. I <laughs> Sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. <laughs> I tell you what, you didn't pack a bit for the opening. <laughs> a, I did not. That's very true. Remember, yeah, it's like this is the guy who rewrote Beatles lyrics he, <laughs> <laughs> about his show, and now it's this garbage. Anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. John, what's going on? Things are good, I hope? Question mark? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. When are we recording this? Now. <laughs> Let's see. Yep. Oh, the election is, is a, soon. It's is pending. Tuesday, but this won't drop till a week later. Yes. So oh. everybody knows whether or not we are completely doomed or if we can breathe a little. <laughs> and given how apolitical this podcast is, nobody knows exactly what that means. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, it's also funny how nowadays I'm just like, I don't I don't know if uh, everybody's like, elections matter. Get out and vote. And I'm just like, we may find that elections don't matter. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't think so, though. I hope you're right. I hear you, though. But who knows? Literally, who no nobody knows anything about any way that anything is going anymore. That is true. So it's just like, oh, cool. He might just be like, oh, good. You won the election. I don't care. Nothing changes. Right. I'm your king now. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody. Either four years or eight years, and we swing it back. Yeah. Or we don't. And <laughs> Absolutely. It's very scary. Yeah. I'm texting people today. Not as scary as what was on Thursday nights back in 1995, I'll Ooh. tell you that. <laughs> That's not true, but it is a oh. fun way to swing things back to what we need to talk about. Yeah, this episode is called Two Tickets to Paradise. Absolutely. And it aired on March 30th, 1995. It did. It's season three, episode 19. Mm-hmm. That means they took a couple weeks off. Yeah, they did. They sure did. This no, is episode see, nine, 16, 23. They took two weeks off. Yeah, a couple week gap in the schedule. What do you think that's about? Spring break? Yeah, I think they wanted to make sure that all the college kids didn't miss... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't miss the goings-on of this married couple. I mean, arguably, in this episode where they go to a resort, you could argue that they went to spring break. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I like the idea of college kids being on spring break and then sitting down to watch Matt about just being like, no, 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 we're not going to hit the club. We're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul and Jamie are on. <laughs> hey, they're on spring break, too. You idiot. You scheduled the wet t-shirt contest at 830 <laughs> on a Thursday? <laughs> My stories are on. <laughs> you want to hear the TV guide? I would love to. The Buckmans spin a web of lies when they pose as Paul's parents to take a non-refundable trip booked by Bert and Sylvia. That's very, they hit every single element. I like that they were like, it's non-refundable, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
This yeah. is one of the it's, few times in which they, I feel like they're answering questions in the, right. in the thing <laughs> where normally it's just like a quick little, Hey, here's what's going on here. They're saying, we know you're going to say, why, why didn't they, they just cancel? Yes. Why wouldn't they? Like, it's non-refundable. Or why are they acting like Paul's parents? Yeah. <laughs> or oh, yeah, they saying, booked it. Oh, and it's non-refund. I see. <laughs> yeah. A non-refundable trip. Oh, well, at least they get to be Paul and Jamie Buckman. I tell you go, what, ah, no, they do not. They have to be. <laughs> I wish it had also said non-transferable. Now I, I don't know what we're walking into. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, there's a big logical wait. So it's non-refundable, but it is transferable. Uh, this, yeah, why I, didn't they just transfer it? I smell a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Very well done. Yes. Synopsis, TV it's, guide, folks. Yes, it's very well done, I think. Not a lot of holes in this one. Mm-mm. Airtight. It's, it's, a, it's one of those classic it, TV guide airtight yeah. summaries. It's a brick house of a summary. <laughs> this summary is what Rick James wrote that song, Brick House, about. I don't know that song. Yeah, you do. As She's a brick house. No. Bad up. She's mighty, mighty. She letting it all hang out. She, it's oh, not actually about mad maybe. about you. It's actually about women who have butts. So. Oh, it's not about TV Guide copywriters? No. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be exclusive. I'm sure there could are be plenty. Both? Yeah, could be both. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> who, me or Rick James? Because there can't be both. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who he was till the Chappelle show came out. I'd never heard of him. That's fair. I didn't even know that that was an allusion to anyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's now not... I do now. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. We're not allowed Gosh. to listen to that. You were not allowed to listen to that? I can't imagine. <laughs> I used to listen to eh, all of my music was pretty OK. It's funny how like there were certain lines like every now and again, the odd curse word would get into some of the music that I would listen to as a kid. Like, damn. Yeah, or hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't sing that word because I'm not allowed to. Very good. You would say H. Yeah, I would say H, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would say H for damn because I was very bad at spelling. (laughs) Was there something spooky on TV? Well, kind of. We saw the ghost of David Letterman's career. Really? Oh, is this the late night war? Well, no, but this episode aired on Thursday, the 30th. Three days prior, on Monday night on ABC, it was the 67th Academy Awards. Okay. Which was hosted by David Letterman. David Letterman? Yeah. Do you not know about this one? I don't. I must have watched it because I feel like that was a big year for movies. It was a huge year for movies. I think I recall saying that several episodes ago and then being laughed at for the movies I was listing. No. But here we are discussing the Academy Awards of the very same year. And regaling the quality of films that came out that year. I think maybe it was because you were listing the most run-of-the-mill movies. <laughs> yeah, because here's here are the movies that were nominated for Best Picture that Runaway year. Runaway okay? Jury. Yeah, it basically. <laughs> it was stacked. Like, Forrest Gump won Best Picture. Okay. And Forrest Gump beat Pulp Fiction. Whoa. Quiz Show. Whoa. The Shawshank Redemption. I haven't seen it yet. Really? Wow. Very good. I get it, though. They bust out of jail. Yeah, that's it's yeah, like okay, The Rock, so, but the opposite. So you know the end, so you don't need to watch the whole yeah. thing. That's No, watch the movie. It's like The <laughs> Rock. Yeah. And Four Weddings and a Funeral was also on. Oh, so It wow. was also nominated. 
P.S. John, you didn't mention any of those movies when you were talking about what a great year it was. <laughs> I think I mentioned Forrest Gump. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I watched today. And Quiz Show we talk about all the time. We do talk about Quiz Show very often. David Paymer, brother of Madam yes, writer Steve Paymer. It certainly does. He's wonderful. I watched the opening for this award show. Dave Letterman's monologue? opening bit. The monologue. That's fun. It was very fun. Do you know about this monologue at all? No, nothing. Not not even a little. I watched it today, and it got pretty slammed immediately. And I understand to a point. The very first joke that he did, he came out, and he said, okay, I've been meaning to do this. I'm glad that we have the opportunity. And he goes stage left very quietly, and he finds Oprah, and he says, Oprah. And then he walks stage center, and he looks in the crowd, and he goes, Uma, Uma. And then he walks backstage left. Oprah. Oprah. And he says, okay, good. I'm glad that we were able to get these folks in a room together and make this happen. <laughs> so he's basically introducing two women with silly names. Oh. And it got a very big response. Oh, really? Yeah. It got a lot of applause. Oh, wow. Okay. That, I didn't think it was that funny. Well, it got a lot of applause that time because everybody was pumped and it's a funny enough bit and it's the first sure. joke of the night. Sure. Then he made three other jokes that went pretty well. Things were rolling. And then he went, Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah. And he says, like, just so you know, this is the sort of joke that's in my head and I'm going to keep doing all night. Oh, no. And to prove it, he did it two more times in his 15-minute opening. Oh, man. <laughs> so it kind of put the brakes on a lot of momentum. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, this ain't your little talk show, pal. That's the thing. It felt like watching... It made me ask the same questions that people asked when Stephen Colbert did his thing with, with George W. Bush. Yeah, the White House correspondent. I don't know how I guessed that. Where it's just like... Because I don't even know what you're going to say. Yeah, when he hosted, yeah. <laughs> I just had a feeling. And it's just like, you brought this guy in, in theory, to do what he does. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then David Letterman... Did a Letterman bit. Right, right. I feel like it would have worked better. What they should have done, they should have gone full Letterman. They should have had Paul Schaefer there <laughs> playing keys. <laughs> they should have had the yeah. band with their That's hits. That's not a bad idea, actually. Because if you add those things to his tags, right. it makes it all work. Without right. it, it felt very exposed. Totally. You need Paul Schaefer there going, ah, yes. That would have been amazing, oh, actually. The, those names. Oh, yeah. they have names. <laughs> That's a pretty good Paul Schaefer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's not hard to do. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, it was very worthwhile to watch. And then they did like they did cutaways to him asking New York cabbies about what they think about going oh, to the movies. Oh, that's fun. It was fun. And he's like, do you like getting popcorn? Like, yeah, I like getting uh, popcorn when I go to the movies. Sure. You like popcorn in general? Yeah. You want some popcorn right now? Yeah, sure. And then they cut, and the entire cab is full of popcorn. I'm like, that's a fun pre-recorded uh, yeah, fun. bit. Yeah. I'm like, it wasn't as huge of a disaster as people made it out to be. Or maybe that's just me looking back now. What do you mean people made it out? Like there were articles about it? Oh, yeah. It was a big flop. And it was a big flop for, like we've said, one of the biggest years of movies in history. I mean, I don't know if one of the biggest movie years in history is quite apt. Okay. A, it was. But let's at least say in <laughs> in recent history. For a big year, fine. For Russ's history, it was a very big year yes, for movies. Yes, sure. 
<laughs> but I mean, not all those movies are that memorable. Here's the critical reception. I love Quiz Show. You love Quiz Show. When's the last time you heard anyone talk about Quiz Show? Fair enough. I think it's still on HBO, if that means anything. Oh. oh they don't wow. just put anything on, you know. Oh, right along with the brand new biopic with what's his name about Tattoo from Paradise Island. <laughs> my oh. dinner with Hervé. Yeah, my dinner with Hervé. It's going to oh. be good. I made it through about three quarters <laughs> over the course of three days. And I just can't go back for more. More dice, huh? It's torture. The New York Times posted, they talk about the critical reception. Instead of keeping things moving smartly, Mr. Letterman stuck with his late night shtick, too often leaving the show's pacing in shambles. Ouch. Yeah, what else did they say? Not only was he not witty or funny, he never knew when to leave bad enough alone. That's what the New York Observer quipped. I'd hate to think what the cheers and jeers section said on TV Guide. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard (laughs) jeer. Then again, here we go. The San Francisco Examiner said, in his first stint as host of the Oscar telecast, David Letterman did the impossible. He made something entertaining from what is traditionally the most boring three hours of TV, this side of a test pattern. Wow. Right? Who said that? Joyce Millman from the San Francisco Examiner. Oh, sure. Well, you know, they're all nuts up there. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? In San Francisco? <laughs> they want some crazy stuff on TV. <laughs> but yeah, I liked it. Everybody should spend 15 minutes, rewatch Letterman, let me know what you think. Yeah, I might. I might give that a shot. Yeah, it's well worth the 15. All right. What's new in your world, John? The news. Oh. So I've been having a lot of fun with going through the old daily news. Okay. Which I now have access to. So this paper is from, oh, the day this episode premiered. So it's very likely that a lot of people who watched the show that night flipped through this very paper. Wow. I'm glad we're doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> There's some cuckoo stuff in here. Uh-oh. The first one is a an arson story involving the mafia. Whoa. That we don't have to get into the details of, but I just think is kind of funny. Sure. Well, the cover says something fishy. <laughs> and it says massive arson probe into Fulton Fish Market blaze. Oh boy. And it's a big photo of a of the Fulton Fish Market on fire. Oh no. Yeah, so basically, uh, Rudy Giuliani had targeted the mob. What does a fish fire smell like? <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. I'm sorry to interrupt, but whoa. Well, it smells like Maine, I feel like. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know how Maine <laughs> is always on fire? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're just always cooking fish. Sure. Um, and that building was built out of a nice cedar. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm coming around. Yeah. The devastating fire at the Fulton Fish Market comes just two days after Mayor Giuliani introduced legislation aimed at finally ridding the market of 75 years of mob influence. We don't have to get into the details. I just think it's pretty funny that their solution was burn it down. Burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're telling it's it's essentially the mob version of you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> oh, we can't do business. <laughs> we can't do business here anymore. Then again. No, now yeah. we can't do business. Here. Yeah. We can't do business here anymore. We're going to burn it down. That's kind of how the mob works. Like, that, that is true. That's literally what what it is yeah. to be under mafia influence. That's true. And sometimes <laughs> it is him. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> Here's a great headline. Nudie cop to flush fetish talk. <laughs> Whoa. This story has two writers. <laughs> Took two writers to get this one down. Nudie cop Eddie Malia. 
said yesterday Playgirl made him look good and bad. Okay. NYPD officer who posed for Playgirl. Didn't we cover a story about a female cop who posed for Playboy? I believe so. Oh, yeah. She was in that awful movie I watched. Yep. Yep, yes, yep, that's yep. Right. so. This was a thing. We got to get then. these two together. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they did some publicity events together. So while the Queen's officer said he's proud of how he looks out of uniform, he was shocked at a quote attributed to him in Playgirl that implied that he's uh, somewhat of an exhibitionist. Oh no, it's worse. He enjoys what you'd call George Michael situations. Oh, public uh, restroom. Sure. So what I love though is he's like, it's ruining my image. <laughs> he told the Daily News yesterday. <laughs> All my constant public solicitation is really dampening my. Uh, yeah, yeah, people my... are taking me seriously as a cop, not because I posed in Playgirl, <laughs> but because of an obscure quote in an article about it, which, as everyone knows, wow. people read yeah, Playgirl. Why people go, sure. Yeah, for the stories. Brockway also said she expects the Malia issue, due out in the stands next week, to be one of Playgirl's top sellers and doesn't understand why it might cost Malia his job. Quote, women love men in uniform and love having men in uniform take their uniform off. It's a standard female fantasy. <laughs> I'm sure that that is true. I think maybe that's just a funny thing to have read by you. Like, not even in general. Yeah, if I was reading it, If I was reading it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, standard fantasy. To have right, John right, right. Marbley say, this is a standard, standard female, female fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine Richard Kind saying it. <laughs> standard. <laughs> Paul, let me tell you something. That is a standard female <laughs> A high-ranking police official said Malia, the second cop to take it all off, would probably be yanked from the patrol when, he, when his spread appears. Also, though, isn't that what happened to the lady? Shouldn't this guy know exactly what's going to happen? I mean, everybody oh, should. Maybe he thought he'd get away with it because he's a guy. Because he's a guy? Maybe. Oh, think- now I don't like this guy. <laughs> he vowed yesterday a fight to stay on the force although he said he's interested in the modeling or acting career this guy is following the exact path i love that he is doubling down on all elements of this oh here we go i have no idea what they're gonna do i don't think i'm gonna be fired said malia i don't believe what bratton did was right with carol shia that was her there we go i figure i'm not gonna lose my job in the long run We'll have to keep with this story, see what happens. I thought he was going to say, I thought you were going to add on, I'm not going to lose my job in the long run because I'm a guy. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They weren't self-aware yet. (laughs) We're not now. No, no. Oh, this is a great one. He's doing this in his private life, said Dr. Edna Yao of the Queen's Vision Center. I don't know why we're quoting her. I have no idea. Unless it's across the street. Okay, we'll see where this goes. Here's the fun quote. Jimmy Che, who works across the street from Malia's precinct, disagreed. This isn't a decent exposure. <laughs> he should arrest himself. <laughs> what shit? I've seen magazine bits like that. Naked police officer arrests himself. Yeah, yeah that is. Of uh, World News Weekly. <laughs> Do you remember the Eminem? This is something that I feel like is right out of your brain. Blue skies to the top of Eminem fans. Eminem lovers yes. will soon have the blues. The result of a two-month campaign to choose a new color went up yesterday and blue won with 54% of the more than 10 mi- million votes cast. John, it, I'm through it right now. Why? Where I was just like, you're like, this is right up your alley. And I was just like, oh, man, what does John think my alley is? Who knows what's going to be? And then you were just like, 
you remember when they voted to have blue be the new M&M color? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it beat out pink You mean that purple. formative time in my life? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a real before and after moment. American yeah, they history. booted out the light brown M&M because that's right. M&Ms used to have two shades of brown. Right. That's right. Which makes sense because it's chocolate. Because it's chocolate. But still, you're going to make candy whatever color you want. It's just like, how about we have dark brown and also light brown? <laughs> wow, we really struck a nerve, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, rice guys yeah. and rice cows. Start over. I'm sorry to have slowed you down on that. I think we just got an insight into Russ's uh, student body council campaign speech. <laughs> Don't vote for me. Vote for blue M&M's. <laughs> I'm John just Marbley <laughs> thinks we should have more shades of brown m and Oh, no. I don't like the tone in which this is taking. <laughs> I just got into this race to change the debate. <laughs> You're a real Cynthia Nixon of m and <laughs> For the first time since m M&M, and plain chocolate candies were introduced in 1941, America has voted for a new color to appear in the traditional mix, said Pat D'Amato, a spokeswoman for m M&M and Mars in Hackettstown, New Jersey. In honor of the announcement, oh, this is so fun, made on the 86th floor of the Empire State Building, the skyscraper was lighted all in blue last night. Very nice. Wouldn't it be funny if that was just a coincidence? And like the Blue Angels, like army planes or something, were like, uh, no, <laughs> that was for us. Yeah. yeah, that happens every now and again where I'll see like, sometimes they light the, the Empire State Building for very real causes. It'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, it's. Breast cancer. For, for, yes, or other cancers or for AIDS or for or pride. Uh, or memori- yes, or pride. And sometimes it's stuff like this where it's just, oh, why, it's all blue. Why is that? Ah, blue M&M's. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to be the color at the top of the Empire State Building for nothing. You have to be an M&M sometimes. <laughs> now, I got to close with this one because this really blew my mind. B-L-U-E your mind? Oh, very good. <laughs> U sounds like W. <laughs> so it sure does. I got mixed up in there for a second. <laughs> this is an ad that takes up all this news except for the mafia thing's been on one page. This ad takes up two fifths of this page. Speedo. AM FM radio in a cap. Now you can tune in wherever you go. Okay. Regular price forty six. Sale thirty four ninety nine. Now, I first saw that and thought, oh, it's like a swimmer's cap with a radio tuner. So you can I'll listen to the radio while you swim. It, sure. It's just a regular ball cap that says Speedo has a built-in telescoping aerial antenna on the brim <laughs> with a hinge sewed into the cap Great. so that you can extend it like a psycho. I think I've seen this sort of thing before. It has tuning dials, like knobs on the outside of the hat. Yeah. So that you can turn them like a psycho. Yeah. Yeah. And it has built-in earplugs that snap into the visor when they're not in use. What lunatic? Well, uh, what lunatic? Everybody's grandfather. Like, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is a thing for grandparents to wear so they can listen to the radio and then tell everybody, there's a radio in my hat. Yeah. And everybody says everyone I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> your, your head looks like the front of a car. <laughs> you should see I can't believe there's an antenna sticking out of this guy's hat. Sure. A full size antenna. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Oh, um, what a special Remember time. Antenna, by the way? Yeah, that's true. Rabbit ears. Yeah. That or or just like even cell phones. Like early candy bar cell phones where it was just like you have to put the antenna out. That's true, yeah. And then I think like I feel like one person was just like, by the way, that doesn't do anything. And you're oh, thank God, okay. I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a little insight into the day's news. Oh, I love it. In a few years, they're going to mix up the Skittles flavors. Don't miss it. Is it true? I know that they switched from lime to green apple. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I don't know if it happened during the tenure of Mad About You. Right. Okay. So we'll find out together. Yeah. Tune in to us for all your nudie cop stories and candy color changes. (laughs) Should we get into it? Oh, man. Let's get into it. Cool, cool, cool. Who wrote, who directed? It was directed by Michael Lembeck, who we've had a lot lately. We have. Good to have him back. It was written by a guy named Rick Weiner, or Weiner, who has been with the show since the very beginning as a production assistant or uh, whatever. It's sort of vague on there. I'm guessing he was maybe a writer's assistant or something. Okay. And uh, this is his first episode. Oh, so congratulations, Rick. We're all rooting for you. That's terrific. (laughs) That's you. Are a hugely successful writer on show Modern Family. <laughs> He's doing yeah. Well. Okay, so this is gonna things are gonna go just fine for this. Guy. Oh, they sure are. Absolutely. Okay, what do you think overall? I love the first half of this episode. Okay, thank God. I was gonna lose my mind. I love the whole thing. No, this has some of my favorite Mad About You moments ever. Wow. This episode, absolutely. You're talking pre mental illness. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to jump to the end at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, the um... silliness happens through the entire first half of the episode. They make up a bunch of personalities. Yes. At Jamie's behest, of course, because she's a troublemaker. Yes. And she doesn't want to play Bert and Sylvia Buckman all weekend. Yeah, they're going on vacation. As we said, they need to play Bert and Sylvia Buckman because it's in their names. Right. And it's non-transferable, we come to find out. Right, right, right. Only once we start watching the show. Well, you have to watch. Yeah, you have it's to, implicit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they entertain each other and themselves by coming up with different people and different personalities to be on this trip. And then when they get busted. Yeah, by the, like, trip director who's responsible yeah. for, like, everyone's comfort and schedules. It, right. It's almost like a cruise on land. Yeah, okay, yes. The cruise director, if you will. Yes. A.K.A. the resort director. I guess that's what we would call her. There we go. Named Trish. Named Trish. So Let's call Trish, her Trish. That's her name. So we'll call the person who's named Trish, Trish. <laughs> so Trish says, hey, why do all these people think that all of these different people live in, are staying in this hotel room? In your suite. In your suite. And Jamie says, Paul is not there. Jamie says, my husband is insane. She says crazy. She says crazy, doesn't she? Yes. And then the woman Trish repeats it, and Jamie says, we don't like to use that term, which is a modern... I don't like to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little dated. This whole second half of the... Here's I'm the way... sorry, you're right. It is insane, I think. It's kind of interchangeable. She uses both. Yes, that is true. So here's how my experience of watching this episode went. Okay. Uh-huh. Before I watched this episode, I was watching a lot of King of the Hill on Hulu, uh, which is a great show. You mean like this morning? Last night, really. Okay. Jen and I watched a whole bunch of King of the Hill episodes. Very worth your time if you're not a fan. I'm not, and I won't bother. And you won't be. Great. Okay. Good talk. 
I might so, be. I don't know. I like Beavis and Butthead. Okay. If you like Beavis and Butthead, I mean, look, it's a different kind of show. I think that this show would be up your alley. It All takes right. a few episodes. Oh, great. Forget but, it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm going to need a few episodes to get into a cartoon from 20 years ago. I'll, I'll say this. I've never gone from not liking a thing to loving a thing more than I did with King of the Hill. Before Jen and I got together, I was like, I don't understand the appeal of this show at all. And she was just like, this is one of my favorite shows. And so I would begrudgingly watch it. And then I just kind of got it. It's very good. Interesting. So worth your time. Okay. Anyway. Well, what about it? As I'm watching these shows, I'm watching King of the Hill, and they have a commercial for a prescription medication, as they often, you know, we all know what happens with the medication commercials, and they have a medication for schizophrenia. Okay. I've never seen this before. Same. And I said to Jen, first of all, it kind of struck me because I've never seen it before. Right. But I said to Jen, I was like, it's pretty neat that we've got an anti-schizophrenia medication ad just that that's what they're doing now. Hey, if you are schizophrenic, if you think you might be schizophrenic, try our ad. That's where the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. are, uh, try, try, try our, our ad. Try our ad. Yeah, you're gonna love this ad. I'm gonna <laughs> say try our drug. Oh man. Try is so the ads I'm are like, cheaper that's, in Canada. That's, <laughs> that's where the dialogue around mental illness has come. That's how far we've come. Right. right. That we're now advertising anti-schizophrenia medication on sitcoms on the right. internet. Great. Wow. Way to end the stigma. Okay, let's watch Mad About You. For which the final seven minutes, the only punchline is, this person's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the first half for now. First half, great! <laughs> <laughs> I liked a lot of it. Uh, some of it I just was a little let down by. Sure. The setup for this episode is very fun. Yes. But then the execution, the way it's played out is okay. Leaves you wanting more. I hear you. There are a lot of great moments in this episode. The Such episode. As. Okay. So one of my favorite things in the world is Paul talking about what happens when you hit a certain age and sit down. Ah! What's the matter? I'm supposed to be my father. You sit, you announce it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. What's terrifying is I do that. I do it every single time. Oh, dear. It's my favorite thing. I mean, it's like taking a sip of a cold drink when you're thirsty. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and when I do it, every time I sit down, I do announce it. And also, I think of Paul Buckman saying, you sit, you announce it. You remember that line? Yes, I do. That's what I'm saying. Between that and also, he then puts some ice in a drink. I don't do this, but I remember it. Splink. Splink. Excuse me? My father. You never notice my father can't put ice in the drink without saying splink, splink. What does it mean? It means splink. I don't know. Just actually kind of fun. Ready? Splink, splink. Yeah. Splink, splink. I vaguely remembered that too when he did it. Yep. These are great little tidbits. Very silly little moments. Splink bits. Nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm with you though. I hear you. <laughs> I loved, well, it had a few good old fashioned jokes for me. Sure. Is breadfruit a real fruit? I don't know. I thought of that, too. He says there's a breadfruit in the room because there's like a fruit basket. And she's like, right. how do you eat it? And he goes, oh, you got a couple slices of ham. Yeah. <laughs> a little mustard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my gets right It's a fun little bit. Yeah. And 
Oh, my other favorite one is the first time they like lay out in the sun mm-hmm. and Jamie's mm-hmm. covered up with like a sun hat and a scarf right. and a long yeah. dress. Yeah. And Paul just comes down and says, can I just say I loved you in the line in winter? That's really funny. That's Which really, I've really still funny. Never seen. Me neither. Really? Nope. Yeah. She's got a big hat that has a long scarf to tie it on with. Yeah, she's and, doing the old Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, Paul makes. And I think big maybe old Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn specifically in that movie. Even. Yes, but absolutely. that is also like a signature Catherine Hepburn look. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's why it's a solid joke, my friend. Oh, that's why it's funny. Yeah, you you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I knew I liked it for some reason. Now I realize it's because it was funny. Thanks, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> there was some weird. Uh, these are nitpicky. That's okay. We've already demolished the entire second half of this episode, so we can get nitpicky with the first part. Now, the guests are handed, it seems, when uh, they first arrive at the room, the bellboy drops their bag off, and Paul tips him with these beads that I guess they've been provided, that is the currency of the resort. Right. He gives the guy one strip of beads, which has eight beads, Mm -hmm. which Jamie says is $35. Right. Which would mean that each bead is four dollars and thirty eight cents, which is a which is, very specific. <laughs> like I didn't look into what the currency exchange rate might have been for wherever they are. They're in some French island in the Caribbean, some French speaking island in the Caribbean. I don't know which one. It's also a fairly large monetary unit to be like, oh, one of the things we're giving you is worth almost four dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, I mean. Because you want to use a half of that a lot, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, pounds to US dollars is roughly two to one. Right. This is 435 to yeah. one. Yeah, it's like take it easy. Holy moly. Yeah, we're gonna run out of beads in two seconds. How well is the bead doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So one thing that happens at this resort, they get there and they are looking for the TV. Oh, a very harrowing moment. They can't find the TV in their room. And so they decide to try to call down for the TV and there's no phone either. And then they find a brochure that basically says at this resort, we want you to be relaxed. We strip away the things from modern life. So there's no TV, no phones, just be yourself and be in paradise. Yeah. Have you ever been in such a situation? Recently. Oh, I've got a story, too. (laughs) Uh, Well, mine's short. Mine's not because it's me. But go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Christina and I went to a wedding recently in Yosemite Mm -hmm. National Park, and it was at one of the resorts. Mm -hmm. And there was no cell phone reception Mm -hmm. or Internet Mm -hmm. or phone or TV or anything, except there was uh, Internet in one room on the resort, like one common area. Yeah, that was kind of a schlep from the room. So we were just fully disconnected, and it was kind of nice. Was there a TV, did you say? No, nothing. Nothing, yeah. So we're lucky there were lights. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice, yeah. But it also, it was two days, I think. Sure. It was two nights. We were there two nights. Right. Three nights, I would have killed myself. <laughs> if I, I, I could have found a light. <laughs> I might have told this story on the podcast once before. I went to a, a, also a friend's wedding in Portland, Oregon. And beforehand, I said to Jen, I was just like, oh, I got to get a book to read because I'm pretty sure Gerard, my friend's name is Gerard, Gerard said there's no TVs. And she was just like, that's ridiculous. No TVs? It's a hotel. There's TVs. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And so we get there and I open up the, much as they did in the episode, I open up the armoire sort of thing where, armoire is the wrong word. I open up the, the 
drawers. I don't know if it is. Maybe it is an armoire. I open I mean, up. You, you sound a lot smarter than an idiot who opens the dresser drawer to look for a TV in there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I open up the chest. Where the TV would be, and uh, there is a box fan because, in addition to there not being any, oh, uh, there's no any AC. TVs. There's no AC. P.S. This is in the beginning of September, so it wasn't breezy. It was not breezy. It was oh. still very, very hot. Because Pacific Northwest, you got to figure, is a little breezy. You would think. So I call Jen immediately. I'm like, get me somewhere, and she's like my man in the van. Because she's got full internet connection. This is back in the days of BlackBerry. So she's oh, just okay. like, okay, you want to go to a Best Buy? I'm like, sure. She's like, all right, here's what you're going to go to. Here's what you're going to do. Just to look around. <laughs> just to touch something? Yeah. Everybody else who I knew who was there was at the the rehearsal dinner. So I didn't know anybody. So it was just I was just going to hang out in a room not reading a book that I didn't have. Right. So she's like, go outside. Leave the Northwest exit. You're oh, going to you go down to the street. Even? What'd you say? You weren't with her even. You I was not with alone. her. She was back home. It was just me. Oh. Yeah. You're so lucky she, you didn't get murdered. <laughs> she gets me on a bus and I wind up at a Target <laughs> looking around, buying magazines. And then I headed back home and it was okay. But yeah, that first night of just like just opening. When you think you're going to see a TV and you find a fan, you're it's in a bit, dark place. Very, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Was this rural? No, it was at a winery. They should have a TV at the winery. <laughs> you know? I don't disagree. Yeah. <laughs> National Park, I get. Sure, sure. There's no, there's not even cell service. You know, it's remote. Mm-hmm. You should have a TV at a winery. You should have a TV at the winery. Yeah. In case I want to watch wine movies. Yeah, side, there's a channel that just plays sideways. <laughs> and walk in the clouds. <laughs> That's a deep pull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I couldn't have named another wine movie if you've offered me $2,000. I don't think I can name a third, though. <laughs> hey, can anyone else? That's rise a fun guys, sweepstakes. N- name your third favorite wine movie. In fact, if you really want to make our day, name it as a review on iTunes. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. It's a very fun bit where Jamie walks over to this wicker chest in front of the bed uh, yeah. and is like, maybe it's a like pop-out TV. Mm-hmm. And she just starts pressing the top of the wicker, which is clearly just a flat wicker surface, as if maybe there's some magical thing inside that pops up. Very, very funny. It's very convincing. She's so committed. Yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The other bit I love that she does in this episode is uh, when they're at the airport, which also Michael Lembeck He's directed, like, what, four of these so far? Two of them have airport seats? That's what I was going to say. The last episode ended in the airport, and this episode starts with them at the airport. Yeah, this guy does not like New York. (laughs) (laughs) He's just trying to get him out of there as much as he can. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We know how they live in New York. Yeah, this resort was originally written as a Catskills. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 no. No way. Yeah. (laughs) She's reading a magazine while they're waiting to board. And she comes to the, like, you remember those old uh, fragrance yes. ads in magazines? And she's yep. just trying to, like, rub it off on her neck and her wrist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. It's very fun. We learn at one point that uh, Jamie starts to, that when they start lying about who they are, Paul and Jamie are sitting on the a hammock. Oh, and, way before that. Well, it's Right? It's not way before. If anything, it's one Oh, that's before. the first, like, big leap. Yes. Because the meal before that is when she starts speaking French because she's been studying French for school. Right. Which, by the way, she's still in school. 
<laughs> and double still, she's still taking French. It is a very passive education she's receiving. <laughs> Look, we know you're in your early 30s. If you want, and you're going back to school for whatever, if you want to take French for three semesters, you can. <laughs> I mean, that is sort of what she's doing, I think. Basically. She just wants to learn. She'd better use French all the time in the last three seasons of this show. Well, she might have her eyes on a lot of French clients for uh, her new PR That's firm. That's true. Lord knows <laughs> people in that country don't know how to interact friendly. <laughs> Oh, man. Sorry, all our French listeners. <laughs> so they get up and Paul falls out of the hammock. Very funny. Very funny. And when he then stands up, somebody approaches him, says, hey, uh, are you OK? And Paul says, yes, we're fine. We're practicing because we're circus people. Right. He's taking his lead off Jamie, who in the previous scene, who was speaking French, mm -hmm. was sort of the person at the table next to them got a little nosy. Right. And was like, oh, are you from we, me and my husband went to France, yada, yada, yada. And Jamie makes up that. Uh, sh oh, it's actually it's a very funny. I think I wrote down the clip because it really made me laugh. Jamie explains how her and Paul, who she says is a diplomat, met yes, in France. That was funny. How did you two meet? The peace talks. The peace talks. <laughs> peace talks. I was selling crepes, and my cart had a flat. You know, it is the same story since time began. <laughs> I love the idea of that's the old story. Yeah. I was selling we crepes. We met during the peace talks. <laughs> yeah, so in this scene, now they're spurred on, and uh, they're circus people. Yeah, because Paul Buckman loves the circus. Yes. No, I know. It's perfect. We've come back to it again. Which I'm never surprised by, and you are constantly surprised by. I am perpetually surprised by the fact that they genuinely wrote into the fabric of this character that he loves the circus. Because I would imagine Paul Reiser loves the circus. I mean, look, that's probably true. It would be insane if he was like, eh, I don't care. It would be strange, John. That would, would make me laugh. <laughs> it would be crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it would be... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, we're not doing this. We're not going to use these as punchlines, Jonathan Marbley. <laughs> this neighbor is played by Greg Daniel. Wow, you want to know something crazy? What? Which I... <laughs> nothing, because I'm not using that word to describe this as that. Oh, sorry. Boy, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> you know what's the, unusual? Great. The name of the creator of King of the Hill, Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels? Yeah, co-creator of King of the Hill. He is? Yes. Isn't that also the, that's the office guy and the yep. Parks and Rec guy? Correct. He worked on King of the Hill? Pretty sure. Oh. Well, this guy's Greg Daniel. He's an actor, and he was a star on True Blood. Great. Which I didn't watch. Oh, his bio is very well written. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for him. Oh, and he's a director, a, a theater director. Oh, Okay. Oh, wow. St. Mark's Church in New York. Wow. That's a, that's some old 70s downtown stuff. Yeah, it is. He directed some Stoppard, Tom Stoppard. Oh, he's a theater actor from NYU. <sighs> I don't care. He seems like a great actor, nice guy, fun scenes. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> oh, and he's in Van Wilder, so I should have oh, lived wow. with that. <laughs> yeah, you buried the lead, my man. <laughs> My bad. I like the cavalcade of characters that we get once they decide to commit to the bit. Nice alliteration. That's one of the ones that I wrote down. Not like today's intro, inter, introduction <laughs> or the word introduction, which I just stumbled over three times. Anyway, listen up. Action. 
Actually, I should be head rodeo clown, but it's just a big boys club. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been on the Calypso about eight, nine years now. Jacques is a nice man, nice man. You have to remember, don't touch his hat. <laughs> sure, it's a little dangerous, but act, they don't dismantle themselves. I'm sorry. That's why they call it the Secret Service. You really lost me in there. What was that clip about? <laughs> That's the quick cuts between the two of them making up Persone. Oh, yes. The Secret Service one made me laugh. What do you think about Paul Reiser smoking a cigarette? Very fun. I think it's great when they both smoke. It's very sexy. I knew you'd love it. I was like, I said to Jen, I was like, John's going to think this is sexy. I love smokers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes you look cool. <laughs> Do you remember years ago, the Garys took promo shots? Yes. And, and I had we were, a cigarette, didn't I? Yes, you did. And like, no, I think nobody else did, but or maybe one person, but you were just like, oh, we should have cigarettes because it's cool. I, yeah. Oh, so, no, you know why? Because we were go going for sort of like a, a vintage French kind of new wave look, I thought. We were, yes. And there yeah. were a lot of a lot of the shots were black and white. And, like Jamie uh, in that episode where she smokes in the window. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If we can get 10 new followers, we'll share the old promo shot of John with a black and white photo. Oh, what a thrill. Oh. Yeah. You hear that, everyone? You want to you want a photo of our old improv team that's probably on the Internet already? <laughs> Follow us. You do. You do. <laughs> you know you do. Ten reviews, Russ. We don't need followers. We need reviews. Okay, great. Review us. <laughs> Review us with hashtag smoking is cool. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, we're just baiting the anti-tobacco industry. <laughs> There's no bad publicity. Come after us. Sue us. All you'll get is two audio recorders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is, though. These two look very cool, I think. Also, it's a lot cooler when you can't smell it and it doesn't burn your eyes. Also true. Smoking's cool on TV and in movies. It's not oh, in real life. There you go. It's, so make sure that you can separate those two things in your mind, everybody. Or just have a camera running 24-7 and smoke your brains out. Also a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, you know, so they've lied to everybody about who they are. Oh, can I ask? Okay, there's one line. Oh, no, keep going. Well, no, let's see. Well, there's Great. one line. No, keep going. John, you need to tell me what now. The first people they meet. Mm -hmm. So the episode's set up in a fun way where it's like, oh, they're going to have to play his parents all weekend. And the resort director tells them that they have been matched based on, I guess, a survey that Paul and Sil uh, Bert and Sylvia filled out. They've been right. matched with other couples that share their interests. Right. They had a survey and they had a phone call earlier that week. Right. So over the course of this episode, we're going to be meeting couples who would be good friends for Bert and Sylvia. Right. Not so much for Paul and Jamie. Right. And one of the first couples is named Sam and Fritzy Frank. Right. <laughs> and Sam's got the great, the socks pulled all the way up with the swimming mm -hmm. trunks look. And Fritzy... Is like a busy, they're busy, you know, they're classic, old, they're perfect for Bert and Sylvia. Right. And there's a moment when Paul and Jamie first go have their first meal in the little dining room area of the resort. <laughs> and they're supposed to sit with Frank and Fritzy. Mm -hmm. And they don't, but they see Fritzy and she sees them and just shouts. In the previous scene, to be clear, she's obsessed with bug spray. Right. Table 17 would be. Eat first and then I'll spray you. Screaming that across the dining room. Really got me. 
it's well edited also because yes. they're just like okay so that table is and she looks up and smash cut right? yeah. <laughs> as you just heard uh, so she is played by Annie Corzin Annie Corzin A oh wait no that was a different one ah nuts one thing she has in common with Paul Reiser is they both have done Woody Allen plays oh interesting but they did different ones she I'm did a recent one, wow. which I saw. You might have too. Which recent one? Relatively speaking, it was three one X. I did not see that. I think I'm realizing right now that I think I did see Paul Reiser in the first Woody Allen. Oh, really? What's it called again? I don't remember. I think I saw it. I'll tell you in one second. I could be wrong. I could be misremembering that. I can't believe you'd be misremembering that. Like, I'm trying to remember if I saw it. Or if I didn't, and I'm just, like, really excited about the prospect of seeing it. Like, I was just like, oh, he's doing this, and that sounds... And then I just get out to it. Oh, it must have been an off-Broadway show, because he's yeah, it was not at, coming up. It was at Atlantic. Ah, uh, yes, right, right, right. Oh, I, that's the one, then. Yeah. Writer's Block. Writer's Block, right. Is that it? The best I can do is remember that Paul Reiser was in. Still okay, can't remember whether or not I saw it. Uh, did you see Beep Newworth? No, then I didn't see it. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> probably not, yeah. <laughs> I also love that I'm just like, I can't remember if I saw one of my favorite actors and stand-up comedians. How about B.B. Newworth, who you don't really care much about? No, definitely not. I yeah. never forget a B.B. Newworth performance. <laughs> yeah, but context matters. I did matters. not see her. <laughs> and when you're at the theater, B.B. Newworth is easier to remember than Paul Reiser. That's very true. But this woman, oh, why is this take? Oh, I got it. I got a link. I got a hot link. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about her. I mean, I do. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking of the other lady. Okay, this woman's not <laughs> this woman's not in anything I just said. Holy smokes. But she does look familiar, and she's apparently a famous storyteller as well. She was a guest on the Oprah Winfrey show. Okay. The topic that she suggested that is quote ethnic men who reject their own women. Great. Okay. That sounds That's controversial. A, that is a very nineties topic. Also, her solo extravaganzas, I think she probably wrote this bio, <laughs> <laughs> are called Yenta Unplugged. And the Yenta cometh. <laughs> oh, boy. And they've been produced on three continents. <laughs> sure. And she's married to a Danish film producer named Benny Corzin. Interesting. Who sounds super artsy-fartsy. Sure. Well, Danish, enough said. Right. He well, no, not enough said, Forever because Plaid. a Danish can either be an artsy-fartsy filmmaker or a delicious breakfast. It is very suiting that this woman, I think, married a Danish. <laughs> <laughs> I think... It, it, in my head just now, when you said Dane first, I'm like, oh, yes, the person, you know, like Hamlet. And then you corrected to married a Danish. And I'm just oh, like a donut person. Sure. Uh, oh, you know who she is? She's Doris. <laughs> She's a neighbor on Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld's parents neighbor. OK. She's in the pen episode and then she's in the Cadillac episodes later in the series. OK, great. So she yeah, plays yeah. a lot of busybody. She plays Yentas a lot. Sure. You don't get that name without it. That is true. Well, we'll get to her. Why? We're here. The woman I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Trish Dawson. Okay. Trish. Trish. Who's playing the person right. running the show here. She is now seen as she's Kevin Pollack's wife on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. If that helps. She's Mrs. Maisel, but not The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Right. The subpar Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Mrs. Maisel Sr. I have not seen that show yet. 
Oh, you'll love it. I know I will. I can't wait. She also, yes, worked with Woody Allen mm-hmm. doing his play recently, which I saw her in, I guess. But, you know, who knew? Yeah. Who can remember who's in Woody Allen plays at any <laughs> given moment? <laughs> she was in The Iceman Cometh in 1985. Great. Which, what a snooze fest, huh? <laughs> Have you seen that play? Ugh. Have I seen that one? I'm not sure if I've seen Iceman on Broadway. But I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen parts of it for sure. This is the play I really want to see. She understudied Marlo Thomas and Joanna Gleason in a comedy called Social Security. Interesting. <laughs> From 1986. It's set in the, the East Side apartment of Barbara and David Kahn. And it's written by a playwright named Andrew Bergman, who only wrote this and then wrote the book for Honeymoon in Vegas from a few years ago. Wow. And it's directed by Mike Nichols. And starred Ron Silver, Marlo Thomas, Olympia Dukakis, Joanna Gleason, and two actors you never heard of. Holy moly. I mean, that just sounds like a really fun 80s flash yeah, in the pan. that is very of its time. Yes, right. And I can't wait to read it. How cool. Oh, Joanna Gleason won a Drama Desk Award for that show. Wow. All right. And the set designer won. Cool. Maybe not a flash in the pan. Maybe not. But yes, Trish Dawson is a... Still working, still kicking around in an old theater day, which is what we like on this show. Very neat. Anyway. Another thing that I love about this episode, because <laughs> we are I think we're running out of this episode to talk about. Well, yeah, because we? we're slowly inching our way towards crazy town. Right. And my favorite part, once we get there, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, Paul acts the way he does or the way he has been. And Trish tells everybody at the resort. Yeah. She really stigmatizes him immediately. Sure does. Just Even goes after and Jamie tells assures her he's not dangerous or anything. Yeah. She's just like, I have a responsibility to tell everybody that he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> which you don't. And yeah. so everybody just treats him terribly. And But one moment that I remember is throughout this entire episode, there's been music that's been piped into their hotel room. Yes, which is maddening. Yes. Calypso. Just like Calypso music that Paul can't find the source of. Which is a sitcom trope that I love. Right. The Odd Couple did this too, where they went to like Paul and Oscar. Oh, Paul. Wow. Felix and Oscar end up in some, another obscure Caribbean islands. Yeah. And it's Calypso 24-7. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so Paul finally finds the speaker and goes outside muttering to himself, can't stop the music, can't stop the music. So he doesn't look like he has all of his faculties to the passersby. A patio umbrella from the table stands on his bed and jabs the umbrella into the corner of the room trying to destroy the speaker, which is extreme. But also, that's one of the things that I've remembered forever. So yeah, can't uh, stop the music is part of me. Gotcha. So clearly, not necessarily the funniest part of this episode. No. But... <laughs> Young, younger Russ sure did think it was. Could it be that younger Russ just constantly walked around with headphones in his ears? Well, what in and the world didn't would make know you how think to stop that, that would happen? His own music? <laughs> I'll tell you, grown-up Russ does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. <laughs> if you're trying to find Russ in a crowd, look for the headphones first. My improv team, Public Pool, recently all dressed like one of our team members. And the shtick was... You know, he's got floopy hair and he wears graphic tees and he's got high tops and he always has big over the ear headphones. So I like I bought a floopy wig and I bought a graphic T-shirt, but everything else was just Russ. 
She's like, yes. oh, so rather than performing in a plain T-shirt, he wears a graphic T-shirt. Great. All of a sudden, we're different people. Fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. always have headphones. <laughs> what else? My big disappointment with the whole thing is all the setups are very fun. Mm-hmm. All the crazy different characters. The first time we get to see this in action after that montage of all the different parts when they go yeah. back to dinner again. Yeah. And one guy runs up to Paul and is like, hey, hey, how's this? And he shows him his bowling like arm. Right motion and we learned that paul told him he was a professional bowler as jamie's about to criticize and she's saluted by a soldier and she's like right that's so funny but then that's the end of the scene yeah more of that please yeah or just don't yeah stop cutting so much like and i get it it's very hard and what if instead of explaining it away by saying he's crazy we just got to have all of these different people approach them right with hey who are you Right. Exactly. That's Imagine what I Imagine how fun that scene is. Exactly. And I was. Yeah. So, yeah, disappointing. So it, that's where it lets you down. Yeah. That's where it lets you down is for 50% of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The end of this episode is Jamie explains, I told people that you're crazy. And Paul has to explain to this entire room, you know, I'm not crazy. We're not Bert and Sylvia. We're Paul and Jamie. And as he's doing this, Jamie is doing crazy fingers by the ears behind his head. Right. And apologizing and and mouthing he's completely lost it. Mm -hmm. I don't care for this part at all. And that's the end of the episode, basically, because then they cut from that to Paul and Jamie making lanyards, which was what they had initially, you know, Trish was directing them towards making lanyards. Subtext is, well, you're crazy, so you should do the lanyard class. Yeah. Because you won't hurt anyone then. Yeah. So. (laughs) But, oh, yeah, no. I don't know. The performance of Jamie and Paul doing that monologue is kind of of fun. It wasn't for me. I'll put it that way. Fair. Well, look, this one stuck out in my mind on a variety of levels. So at the time, I'm sure that I thought that all of this was very fun. Oh, of course. Yeah, times change. Yeah. That's not the case for a lot of this show. They're very advanced, yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot where it's just like, hey, I. Uh, this one doesn't hold up, which is not the case for most of them. Most of them right. either hold up or were never whatever. <laughs> this this episode, I feel like, was great in my eyes and no longer is because the world changed. Yeah, I have a question about a line. Okay. When I think his name was Frank. Mm-hmm. Was it the husband of the of uh, Franny? Let's call him Frank. Or whatever. The guy with the socks pulled up. Right. He comes back after we've been told that Paul's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he sits down and Paul says, oh, because this guy and his wife are paranoid about the bugs, right? Right. And Paul's like, I don't see the bugs. Mm-hmm. And then this guy goes, that's why we call him no see him. We've right. been through this. Yes. And it gets a big laugh. Earlier... When Fritzy was spraying Jamie. Fritzy, yes. She talked about the noceums. What is a noceum? It's a nickname for a bug that bites you, but you don't see it. You got to be careful for the noceums. Oh my gosh. That you is don't so see strange. them. We call them noceum. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So they said it earlier. She said, you know, you got to be out there for the noceums. Now here they are. Saying it again. Yeah. That doesn't happen all that often that it's like, that you make the same joke later in a 22-minute episode of television and the person calls you out on the fact that, hey, we already did this. 
Normally right. they just make another joke. Right. But here they're like, no, let's go back to the no see well. Yeah. <laughs> so there well, you go. I think we've heard that one ad nauseum. <laughs> About noses? No, ad nauseum. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry I was an idiot. You're very smart and funny. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies as smart <laughs> and funny. <laughs> the bar is very low. Yeah. <laughs> so the tag for this is another very fun moment in Russ's memory, which is Paul and Jamie dancing around like goofballs in their apartment to the music that they can't stop. And Paul says, get me, I'm Harry Belafonte. And of all of the get me's that Paul Reiser did throughout the duration of this show. Mm -hmm. This is my go-to get me. Interesting. Yeah. Is it get me or dig me? I can never remember. I always defer to dig me. And this time I was self-conscious about it because it's sometimes get me. So I said, get me. And I think you're right. It's dig me. I think it's dig me. Oh, you're right. I wrote it down and it's dig me. Yeah. You know what? This is our last episode. Clearly I'm not in it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. This is a very fun moment. Mm -hmm. It's the hotel room though, right? Yes. Did I okay. say elsewhere? You said their apartment. And oh, I I'm thought sorry. I was wrong for I I was no, trying, no, I was no, like, no, no. Oh, that's funny. I'm doubly not. wrong. They're in their hey, uh, hotel. Russ, room. did you watch the episode? No, I just knew that I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, then the tour guide catches them and it's like, oh yeah, they're Uh-oh. crazy, all right. Yeah. So yeah, so that's this episode. Half of a lot of fun. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> How do we get into the plugs of uh <laughs> Well, very smoothly, first of all. But what we do is we say, this episode of Mad About You was half of a lot of fun, but this episode of Mad About Mad About You was 100% of a lot of fun. Okay. Wouldn't you agree, John? Yes. Then what? Well, if you agree, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, first of all, thank you so much for listening. Oh, yes. Secondly, tell a friend, why don't you? Rate and review us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, John, right? Yes. Or anywhere that you listen to podcasts, because we are everywhere now, baby. We're on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, whatever it's called. Yep. All of them. All of Everywhere. them. Everywhere. Email us at madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at madaboutyoupod. You can go to our website, madaboutyoupod.com, where you can buy the show, the series on DVD through Amazon. Of course, mm-hmm. we don't, we're don't. we not in the DVD manufacturing business yet. Not yet. We're still waiting for our license. <laughs> and the factory <laughs> is under construction as we speak. <laughs> The episode's there as well. You can Facebook us at Mad About You Pod. We're all over the place, baby. And yeah. uh, if you like the show, tell a friend, but also uh, write, subscribe and write and review us on whatever platform you listen to, because it Please really helps do. us uh, get the word out. It sure does. That would be very nice. If you haven't yet rated and reviewed. I'll and if you have, we just like to say thank you. Thank you, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. This show means a lot to us, and we appreciate you being around for the ride and uh, enjoying. So... Enjoy a little bit more, won't you? Like, for instance, our theme song, which sounds like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you, John. And our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound is mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Vuk, thanks so much. John, thanks so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Russ. Uh, absolutely. Rise, guys, rise, gals. Thank you for listening. Come back and listen to us again, won't you please, question mark? Until you do, (laughs) this has been Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marvley. And this is what we're saying. saying.